Hey podcast listeners, this is Todd Finley, the founder of HBCU Grad. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the HBCU audio experience. We truly, truly appreciate your attention. On this episode, I talked to Antonio Michelle, who is an author, and he authored a book talking about top athletes going to HBCUs. It's a conversation that needs to be had, and it's something that uh, we want to have more conversations around. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. How's everything in your world? Everything is going well, man. I'm just very excited. Uh to be doing this and I'm so appreciative. Yes, yes, me too. I'm I'm glad you I'm glad we got a chance to connect. So I didn't look too deep into your story, but yes. something just said, you know, I need to reach out to this brother and talk to him. Man, I'm so grateful, man. I just want to thank you. I want to thank HBCU grad. I want to thank Anchor. Uh um, you know, just for being a part of this HBCU audio experience. I'm truly appreciative. They're right. That's awesome. Now, for our listeners that, oh, they probably don't know who you are at this point in time, tell our audience who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll just give you a background just from the, uh, you know, just going back to the beginning. You know, I'm raised in D, uh, was raised in the DMV, uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, specifically. Um, I grew up in a household with my mom and my sister. Uh, my dad was in the same uh, city city as well, so he. But my dad was there and very actively involved uh, in our lives. Um, I was very active as a youngster uh, in regards to sports. I was always playing sports, like every season. Um, you know, baseball, soccer, football, basketball, um, and just you know, with my mom being a, a single mother of two, it was tremendous. Uh, the and the fact that she was you know, able to do that and keep me active and involved in sports year round. Um, now, the sport that I gravitate, gravitated to and excelled in was basketball, you know, which obviously is the, you know, will lead us into talking about the, uh, you know, the, uh, the novel that I came out with. But basketball was essentially my life, man. I started playing basketball in the third grade um organized that is I played in the Montgomery County Rec League and it's funny because one of the teams that was in that Montgomery County Rec League was Tacoma Park and Tacoma Park they were essentially like the Jordan the Jordan Bulls um you know of our league and they had uh Steve Francis Steve Francis oh, wow. yeah he was the point guard on that team and we used to have battles even at such a young age and of course their team you know would destroy everybody um, but, you know, as you know, Steve later on went, went, um, to be an all-star in, for the Houston Rockets in the NBA. So he obviously had an amazing career, but now as I continued to play, um, basketball throughout middle school, by the time I was in eighth grade, I started to get attention from high schools. Um, and one of the high schools was St. John's Prospect Hall, which was coached by Stu Vetter. And Stu Vetter is the same coach that coached uh, Kevin Durant in high school, but at a different school at the time, Montrose Christian. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was there, I dominated JV. Um, but once I got to the varsity team, I was sitting on the bench behind like elite five, four and five star athletes. 
So, you know, the type of player that I was and always used to, you know, doing well and excelling, um, you know, that didn't sit well with me, even though those guys were like the best of the best. So I wanted to, uh, you know, make a move so that I could show what I can do, um, you know, at that level. So I ended up transferring to Bullis High School, which is in Potomac, Maryland. And at Bullis is where I really um, excelled. I was honorable mention, uh, all met. Uh, multiple all-star games, was named to the all-conference team. Um, in my senior year, we only lost one game, and the only game we lost was to nationally ranked Inglewood out mm. in out in California. Yeah, that was the same school that Paul Pierce uh, went to. And uh, we finished the year ranked number three in the entire DMV area. Wow. Um, so that was pretty cool. But that's pretty much, like, who I am as far as, like, coming up-wise – and how, you know, I was just, uh, you know, my basketball was my life. Mm-hmm. We have we have similar backgrounds. I'll kind of save you my story. Uh, uh, but <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about that because mm-hmm. um, you you went to did you play at uh, FAM? I did not. Okay. I did not. But the guy that backed me up in high school did. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I lost really? a love for so it. I- <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, how does the guy that backed you up end up playing at FAM? So you just so you just ended up losing the love for it in high school? I, I lost the love for it. So growing up, every day I played basketball. And then yep. we were kind of the same way. I think I started playing organized. I think YMCA second and third grade. Then fourth grade is when I started to really play organized and won the MVP. We were 9-0. and We went to the AAU National Championships every year. Then freshman year played JV, averaged 15 and 8. Then senior year as a sophomore and junior, I didn't play a lot. Okay, Why, I don't know. But senior year started, and we lost one game before the uh, state championship, lost the state championship by five points. And at the end of the year, we were ranked fifth in the country. (laughs) <laughs> okay so you got so you guys are on another level you guys are nationally ranked. wow we, we were pretty good so and then after that i lost the love i never touched the ball for six months or so oh my god yeah. man but you know going growing up i always saw it was a lot of talent out of the dmv why is it so much basketball talent out of the dmv man i you just have different areas um you know like for example like in football i know uh texas in Florida, you know, big time areas for like high school uh, football, but in basketball, you're right, man. Uh, the DMV, you know, I know, of course, you know, New York is a popular spot as well, but the DMV has just had so much talent. And I think it's because you have, um, you know, the three areas right there. So of course you have Virginia, Maryland, and DC, and them all coming together, bringing that talent together. Um, it's just amazing. Like, you know, I had mentioned Kevin Durant, you know, playing there. Of course, Michael Beasley um, came out of this area as well. And you know what's so funny? I just learned this the other day. I had no idea that um, uh, that the rapper uh, Dave East was front, well, ended up playing high school ball in this area at Springbrook. Springbrook was right in Montgomery County. I just found that out the other day. Had no idea. Maybe that's why him and Durant have such a good relationship. Exactly. Yeah, they were actually AAU teammates, ah, apparently, that, and Beasley as well. That makes sense. That, that, yeah. that makes sense. So now going through high school playing basketball, what made you choose Howard? 
Man, so it's 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 funny you ask that. So I was when I was at Bullis, we it was my senior year, and we played um, Sidwell Friends. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sidwell Friends, but Sidwell Friends is a school is a, a school in D.C. and it's where the uh, Obama the Obama uh, daughters went to school, and it's also where uh, Chelsea Clinton oh, wow. went to school. And now of course. Of course, when back when I played, you know, Chelsea Clinton was at Sidwell Friends during that time. I know I'm really aging myself, but um, <laughs> but you know, she she was there at that time when I was at Bullis, and we were playing in the Sidwell Friends uh, Invitational. It was like an end of the year tournament, and uh, we ended up winning the tournament. I was named MVP of the tournament, wow. and after after the final game, you know, had the uh, trophy ceremony and everything, and there was a gentleman that walked up to my mom and started talking to her. And it turned out it was the head coach of the Howard um, basketball team. And at the time it was coach uh, Mike McGleese. You know, he was mm-hmm. like a famed coach out of the uh, um, DC area. Cause he coached at um, Dunbar high school mm-hmm. and then he ended up getting the Howard job. So he, you know, that's where the uh, you know, the recruitment took place and the rest was uh, pretty much history. But even with that being said, I still, you know, needed to go on a visit. My uncle, who was also a fabulous um, basketball player back in the day, he went to Howard as well and was always trying to get me, you know, saying, man, you should go to Howard. And to be honest with you, at that time, I really didn't know much about Howard. And it wasn't until the coach McLeese came there and I went on the visit. And as soon as I stepped on campus, man, it was it was love at first sight. <laughs> that was it. As soon as I took the visit, that was the done deal for me. I mean, I just can't explain. Yeah, it. and it's amazing. It's almost cliche, and people think that's cliche, but it's really like that. The moment you step foot yes. on an HBCU campus, you, it don't it feels like home. Like, yeah, this is home. Oh my gosh, you are so <laughs> right, Todd. Man, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, how was it as a student athlete at an HBCU? You know, we hear about things being underfunded, not as mm-hmm. a lot of the facilities aren't as good as what you may get at certain other D1s. But let me hear from you, someone that was yeah. really there, you know, at a time that, you know, HBCUs were still on the come up or really hot, really, especially in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, um, it's funny you say that because like when I'm out, uh, you know, whether I'm promoting my, you know, promoting my, uh, you know, book online or whatever it might be when you get involved in chats, you know, you'll have certain when I'm trying to pitch the whole elite black athletes to HBCUs. That's one of the topics that absolutely comes up. Oh, man, HBCUs don't have the facilities, um, you know, in comparison to a PWI. But my thing is. Why do you think that is <laughs> the reason why that can you imagine if the five star athletes started going to HBCUs instead of those PWIs? It's we're the talent. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that are bringing in that money. Do you know how much revenue these schools make? Um, you know, just from the TV contracts, from the uh, jersey sales, et cetera. So that's what allows those schools to have those big time uh facilities and everything and whereas the hbcus unfortunately don't have that but to answer your question specifically for me that was never really an issue for me and and it's crazy too because the high school that i came from you know had that there was a lot of money at that school and they had you know top-notch facilities and everything but still jumping up to the next level 
to have everything was still bigger to me because it was the college level, if that makes any, any sense. So I never really looked at the facilities and was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it, mm-hmm. that, it never really, um, the experience was so powerful for me and just such an amazing experience that to be honest with you, I had no issues with it at all. And you know, what's so funny, like people could say like Bird Gymnasium as an example, how it's, um, you know, how it's small, you know, or it's not like a, obviously like a, a PWI big arena or anything, but to me, that's what made it so awesome. That's what made right. made it rock. Exactly. I mean, Bird Gymnasium, when that place is packed and the crowd is in there going crazy, man, you can feel the whole place moving. And that's the type of atmosphere that I was looking for in college. So to be honest with you, I love that. Right, right. Now tell me about your senior year when you guys played LSU. Oh my gosh, man. Let me tell you, it was so funny. First of all, being at an HBCU when we would go, I, I don't know how many people know this, but in the beginning of the season, when you first start off, you know, before you play your conference games, you'll play against like, you know, big time PWIs. They call those essentially like the money games where those big schools will pay Howard a large amount of money just for us to come and play them and essentially, you know, <laughs> take that out right. from that big school, you know, yeah. they call it the cupcake cupcake where the cupcake on their schedule mm-hmm. so anyway um we went to lsu and that man when i tell you that crowd was talking so much trash and before the game when we were warming up and to be honest with you back then i didn't really know what was going on as crazy as that sounds even though i was in college i just never really experienced you know any type of uh you know, racial uh, tension or anything like that. But the fans before the game in their section were just, were calling us boys. They were like, hey, boy, hey, boy, where, where's, um, where the heck is Howard? Where is that? Um, (laughs) Hey, boy. Like, they just kept saying boy. And at that time, like I said, as crazy as it sounds, it never really even registered to me like the racial side of that. I just look, cause I, cause we got heckled all the time and you know, it, it just didn't at the time. But now when I look back at it or years, years after the fact, I was like, Oh my gosh, they were calling us boys. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just crazy, man. But anyway, so the game started and man, LSU was big time, as you know, and we ended up being down by three points at halftime. There were NBA scouts there because I can't remember who they had, on their team. I can't remember if it was Stroh Miles Swift. Um, I can't remember if he was there that year, but whoever it was, there was NBA scouts at that particular game watching them. So here we are, Howard University, and we come in there, and, man, we're down by three at halftime. And that's huge (laughs) against, like, a program like that because these teams end up, you know, just blowing, you know, blowing us out typically. And so, you know, everybody's going crazy. We're jumping up and down. Like, we had just won the championship, you know, being down by three at halftime. And, man, we come out in that second half, man. We end up losing by 33 points. (laughs) But just for that that one feeling, though, man, it just felt so good. And a similar situation, I'll never forget, when I was at – um. Uh, when we played against North Carolina at the Dean Dome and talk about an experience, wow. man. just being there in that arena, looking up in the rafters and seeing Jordan's Jersey. Mm-hmm. It was just unbelievable. But in the beginning of the game, we had a six, four lead and on their scoreboard, 
it would say the whatever the opponent's name was. So it said Howard six and North and UNC four. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my family members who was at the game took a picture <laughs> of that scoreboard, and I have that to this wow. day. And I have like so much pride in that picture when we were up six to four. Right. And then of course they ended up killing us by however many points. But right. you know, so yeah, it was just a uh, you know great experience. And when we got to play those big schools, it was talk about an experience, man. Because um, I remember we played Cincinnati at Cincinnati. And you're, aren't you, are you from Ohio? Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. From Cleveland. Okay. Well, we played the, we played Cincinnati and they were, I want to say they were ranked like number three in the nation at the time we played them. And so just that, just that whole experience was unbelievable. But um, yeah, it just leads me back. It's just so frustrating, like how we're considered the cupcake game at these schools and I'm like, man, if our, if that talent, if our elite black talent that went there started going to our HBCUs, everything could be reversed. Right, right. What What do you think about uh, them saying that Bronny, that North Carolina Central offered Bronny James a scholarship? Oh, man. It was, I mean, of course it was just like, I, I actually did a post about it, as a matter of fact. And I did the post, I posted it, and I said, um, you know, North Carolina Central offers Bronny a scholarship. And I said, as we all know, Bronny's only a freshman. So, of course, by the time he's a senior and an elite five-star athlete, all the big programs, you know, Duke, everybody's going to have offered him a scholarship by then. But I said, just what if, just what if Bronny, especially somebody of that stature, who you know, whose father is, is LeBron James, obviously, decided to change the narrative and was like, you know what? I have all these offers from everybody. I'm going to change it up. I'm a, and not only change it up just on his own, but just imagine if he teamed up with other elite five-star ath- athletes to essentially create a Fab Five mm-hmm. and go to an HBCU. That'd be amazing. Because see, because see, that's where the change would come in. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you essentially had a Fab Five at an HBCU, a Division One HBCU that has an automatic bid mm-hmm. to the NCAA tournament, yep. um, then. All right, so yeah, I I believe that that's one of the that's one of the things that will really change the game if you have a Fab Five go to a HBCU and do well in the NCAA tournament. That is exactly, exactly. That's my and and essentially just look at it like if you even if we're talking about well, most likely we'd be talking about one and dones potentially, but why couldn't why couldn't an HBCU become like what Kentucky or Duke is right now, where basically all they're getting all the top ranked kids to go there, even if some of them are just for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think I think that could give even more reason if like these the kids that are going there, these kids are already known by the NBA scouts and everything, you know, like Zion, for example, Zion could have played basketball on the daggone moon. It's <laughs> right. still it's still been the the, the number one uh pick in the draft that's so true that's so true now after graduating you decided to write a book why did you decide to write a book yes well the reason why is because the discussion that we're having now Todd the whole man what if elite black athletes decided to go to HBCUs that's that discussion is nothing new that discussion has been going on for years and years and years and people always said what if my uncle 
back in in his generation, like when I was in college, was talking about what if, and then generations later, what if? Here we are today, what if? So I said to myself, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of just sitting around and saying what if. I want to do something about it. I want to actually tell the story, the fictional story of it actually happening because nobody had ever done, nobody had ever done that. And so I'm like, let's take a different approach, okay? What if obviously isn't working? So if it's something that we would love to see, why not tell the fictional version of it? And at least with that, you could potentially reach many more uh, youngsters or the parents of the youngsters. So just, like my, my goal for this is to try to get this story turned into a movie or a Netflix series, basically to have it on as many possible platforms um, where people can view it, where people can look at it and say, you know what? There's something there. Like there, wow, that would be amazing. Like the possibility of that, because somebody could just be out there preaching the whole what if thing and somebody could hear it and just be like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. That, you know, yeah, that might be cool. That might not, whatever the case. But if you're actually seeing this, like just think if you're sitting at home and you're watching this movie or if you're reading this book or if you're seeing this series on, on that's something that could be extremely influential, potentially. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that, was, that was my whole thing. And that's what made me want to write it because I just wanted to bring it to life. Do you remember in 2006 when we were still saying that I think we're still 50 years away from having a black president? Bingo. Bingo, Todd. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, man. You, you know, so it's I don't it's not that far off. I'm telling you, yeah, you I I totally I totally believe it, man. And I just it was just very important to me to just take a different approach with it and just say, "Hey, okay, let's just tell the story of it happening and may, you know, and and see what that does." Right. And not to mention, not to mention, it just, it makes a great story. Mm -hmm. How did you become a good writer? To be honest with you, um, Todd, I would say it was, because it's not like I've ever done anything. Like I never, I never went, took any writing courses, you know, uh, other than just, you know, normal school stuff, normal college, uh, courses, et cetera. Um, there was nothing specific I did like the, um, it just, it just happened organically, believe it or not. Um, and I just had, it was a situation where here I am a former basketball player and here's something we've been talking about for years, the whole, what if topic. And I said to myself, you know what, somebody needs to tell this story. And, you know, a lot of times you could easily say, okay, yeah, let me go uh, hire this person to do that or, or pitch this to somebody else. I said, no, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to tell this story myself because it's my story and I wanted to bring it, um, you know, bring it to the world. And so that's exactly what I did. Do you have a certain routine? Are you a morning writer, night writer, uh, go off and spend a weekend writing? What's your <laughs> routine? It's, it's funny you say that because I want to I want to start off by just thanking my, you know, my beautiful wife and my daughter, um, because like you said, writing a novel that especially a 400 something page novel that takes time. Um, and the way that, you know, the way that my wife was just understanding, like, OK, you know, now 
I'm, you know, focused on this. I mean, she was unbelievable. And, you know, like you said, I just had to pick times during the day as a, as a husband and as a father, I didn't have the luxury per se to say, okay, oh, you know what? I'm going to write during this time, or I'm going to write during that time. I had to find time or I had to get the time in whenever I could, you know, once my, once I put my daughter to sleep, okay, now I can start writing. So there was no specific time. It was more so whenever there was time, that's when I was doing the writing. Right. For an aspiring author, what advice would you give them? I would say, um, I would say don't wait. Like if it's something you want to do, don't feel like, oh, I need to, this needs to happen first, or I need to take this course first or do that first. I would say do it now. If it's something that you're, I mean, don't get me wrong. Everything can be, you know, technical and you need to have certain skills and, um, you know, as far as what needs to be done. But I would just say, do it now, get it done. The problem sometimes is when people have like an idea or they'll say, you know, because I've come across a lot of people that say, oh, yeah, man, you know, I, you know, I want to write a book, too, or I wanted to write a book, too. Well, well, what's stopping you? Do it, do it now. What are you waiting for? Um, you know, mm-hmm. so many people say I'll start on Monday with, um, you know, or I'll do it. I'll start, you know, next week or I don't have the time. Make some time and do it now. That would be my biggest advice. Mm-hmm. What's the name of the book? What Follows. What Follows. Yeah. And the whole premise behind that is basically, um, you know, when these, when this happens, when this group of elite uh, black athletes end up going to this particular HBCU, what's going to follow? You know, mm-hmm. what is going to follow mm-hmm. this decision? So that was the whole, uh, you know, premise by, in regards to the uh, title. Right. And people can find it on, on Amazon? Yes, it's available right now on Amazon and it's available on Barnes & Noble as well. And then I just... um. I'm going to be doing a book signing coming up on, um, I didn't know, you know, when this podcast was going to be released or not, but I'll be doing a book signing on Martin Luther King weekend at Ethnicities. It is a, uh, a store, a black owned store that's in the Bowie town center, which is right here in the DMV. And it's going to be Sunday, January 19th between one and six um where i'll be there at the store doing uh doing the book signing what kind of feedback have you gotten so far from from some of the early readers of the book you know it's so funny it's been amazing um it's absolutely been amazing and a lot of times when i get uh the feedback that i do you know i'll post stuff about it um because people are excited i've had people tell me that they're um that their students are reading this that they're reading this themselves um, people will come back to me and say, man, I've been saying this for years. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I get that, man, I've been set, saying this for years. And that was like my whole point because lots of people have been saying it for years, but nobody's told the story of it actually happening. And that's why I wanted to do it. So the feedback has been great. And what's, and it's funny because initially, anytime you do anything, you know, you could have uh, positive feedback, negative feedback. And, um, you know, there, there'll be, uh, especially in regards to the topic at hand, you know, you could get um, all types of different reactions, but it's actually been overwhelmingly um, positive and people have been loving the book. 
That's awesome. It's a beautiful thing to be a creative or be an artist, be a writer and put something out because it's hard to put things out because now you have to deal with the critique of the audience and to get positive yeah. feedback is, you know, really puts a battery in your back. Antonia, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, I think this is a conversation that needs to be had. I think this is a conversation that we need to keep on having. So if you're up to it, let's make sure we do this again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Todd. What, Todd, is it okay if I list my, um, my uh, where people can find me, like on social media? That, w- that was my next question. Where can everybody find you? Oh, man. Perfect, Todd. <laughs> uh, my IG is Five Star Athletes Choose HBCU. So it's the actual num- uh, number five and then Star Athletes Choose HBCU. That's the IG. My Facebook is just my name, Antonio Michelle, and Michelle is spelled M-I-C-H-E-L-L. And then my Twitter is five stars go to HBCUs. And the five is all is always the number five. So five stars go to HBCUs. And then my email is what follows book at gmail.com. And my website is going to be up and running uh, this week coming up. And it's whatfollowsbook.com. Awesome. What What do you wish I would have asked you that I didn't ask you, Antonio? Um, let me see. Uh, let me think about that. Um, oh, yes. I know what it is. I know what it is. I would, I, or I wish you would have asked me, um, like, is there, like, is there anything that I want people to know that they don't already know? Mm. I would say, mm-hmm. I would say that. Mm-hmm. And I was, and, and, you know, based off of just, you know, even with everything we talk about, and I would say, yes, the biggest thing I want people to know, Todd, is that this book is so much more about, um, so much more than just about basketball. Right. This book is about the HBCU experience. It's about social justice. It has uh, anthem protests in it. It's a love story. So you remember that HBCU love between like uh, uh, Dwayne Dwayne Wade, I mean, Dwayne Wayne and uh, Whitley from uh, A Different World. Oh, yeah. Yes, man. Everybody remembers that love story. So this book has that love story in it. There's triumph. There's sorrow. Um, There's just something in this book for everyone. So I didn't want like I didn't want people who, you know, weren't interested in basketball or weren't interested in sports to think that this book is not for them because that's not true at all. This book has everything in it all the stuff that I listed, it's a love story. There's anthem protests, social justice, um, just about the HBCU experience itself. There's sorrow, there's triumph. There's something in this book for everyone. Right. That's awesome. I think that's a great place to finish. Perfect, man. I appreciate you so much, Todd. We appreciate you. If there's anything we can ever do for you or anything you need, we'll always be here. We're going to support it too. And we'll probably do some type of giveaway. Where we'll give away oh, two or three books. Man, that would be that would be awesome. I would love that, Todd. Well, well, thank you, Antonio, and you have a good day. Thanks, Todd. You too. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share the podcast with your friends and family. Uh, let them know it's the best podcast. Also, if you haven't already done so, please rate us on iTunes. If we're worthy of a five star, give us a five star. If it's just one star, that's okay too. But please rate the podcast. Thank you for listening and have a good rest of your day.